0: You ever start a movie late at night after a long day with no intention of finishing it, but it pulls you in Then you have to talk about it with your friends and family because it was so good or so bad You my friend are not alone Welcome to the midnight watch podcast What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Midnight Watch Podcast, the podcast where we discuss the movies that we all love, secretly love, and love to hate. I'm your host, Jeremy, along with my brother, Josh, and we've got another great episode lined up for you. You know it. Once again, here at the Midnight Watch, we like to discuss movies that are at least 10 years old or older. And if you are looking for a movie review podcast without spoilers, well, this is the wrong podcast for you, because we all about them spoilers. Uh, Anyways, at the end of our review, we'll rate these movies in four categories. One, did it hit its mark when it was released? Two, is it still relevant today? Jeremy's dying laughing. (laughs) And three, personal enjoyment. And the big one, number four, is it a midnight watch? All right, Wolfman, what delicious morsel have we brought back for the pack today? Today, we're back with the master Stephen King. This classic hair-raising adventure comes straight out of 1985, Get ready, folks, for go-kart wheelchairs, werewolves, and Gary Busey's teeth. It's time for Silver Bullet. Oh! oh, oh. I feel like I let, let you down, man, when you were when you were saying, you were like, this ain't, we ain't all about them spoilers. I was like, I was going to be like, that's right, and then I didn't say anything, and you're just like, uh, okay, let's move well, on. Well, that didn't work. I'm sorry. I failed. I'm sorry, everybody. We're too lazy to right. do that, so, all right. Hey move right on on that one. Yeah, that that was good. I just I totally dropped the ball on that. All right, let's see what we got here. Silver Bullet came out in 1985, October of 1985, directed by Daniel Addius, I believe that's his name. Uh screenplay by Stephen King, and this movie had a budget of 7 million dollars and then it came out with a box office of 12.5 million. It was starring Corey Haim, Gary Busey, Megan Follows, Everett McGill, Terry Queen, and a bunch of other people that you might recognize. Actually, I didn't recognize too many people except for I forgot his name. the The guy um, who was the bartender. He was in Reservoir Dogs. Oh. Yeah, with the oh, peacemaker back. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's cool. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. That's totally him. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as I saw him, I was like, "Let's go to Wack, Mister <laughs> Mister Orange." Right. I don't think he had a color because he was just. I think he was helping set up. Was he the, was just. Ah, uh, oh, he was man, one is- of the i think he was the guy who helped get the crew we should uh we should review that movie and then we'll find out <laughs> there you go there you go folks there if you, you want real facts wait for us to review it and then we'll find other facts to screw up while we do that movie so did you see so when his sister megan follows when i saw her i was like hey it's anne of green gables there like, you go you get that <laughs> i did well I, I just knew that she looked familiar to me and i had to IMDb just to, to see what you know everyone had been in and as soon as I saw it I was like oh obviously right they did Which, uh, that's a big a big one here in uh the Josh Baruto home I think Anna Green Gables I'm pretty sure that if you're going to be a homeschooler you have to watch the the 80s <laughs> Anna Green Gables Canadian show whether well, don't don't tell Trinity that because uh she wasn't homeschooled and their family loved it uh, you know fact, uh, I, I think it makes her dad cry sometimes so you there know you it might sorry make, steve it might make me cry too because i haven't seen it in a while <laughs> he's like i know where you live <laughs> <laughs> um, but All right. um uh, one more thing about that rabbit trail they actually i was watching new girl and they reference it in that they like they get stoned and watch Anne of green gables and so i thought that mm. was really funny that is yeah okay Going on, oh, and one thing I thought was cool, too, I'm a, I'm a fan of Terry O'Quinn. Every time I see him, I'm like, oh, it's John Locke from Lost. But he's in a ton of stuff. He just always pops up. He's one of those carrier, char- character actors. He was the sheriff in this movie. Ah, uh, okay. Um, yeah, he, did you watch the show, Castle Rock, did you watch that? Uh, I watched the first season. Okay, and, yes. And uh, I wanted to keep going, but I just haven't. Right, I've been. Uh, I haven't watched the second season yet either, but I think it's cool they keep bring, bringing in actors that were in older Stephen King stuff, like the other right. movies. Since he was the warden in that, and then of course they have Dee Wallace and so on and whatnot. not. So, right. all right, now that I've talked enough about <laughs> Rabbit Trails, there. Um, <laughs> so, real quick before we get into the synopsis, um, did you want to say something? No, I'm good. Okay, um, this movie didn't. It made money, so it wasn't a bomb, uh, but it wasn't exactly, like, a huge success. And right. they, apparently, I was looking at it, and I guess they had lackluster posters, which is, there's only one poster I've seen in this movie that actually I think looks cool, but um, they, I just don't think that they advertised it very well, so it didn't, didn't make a lot of money. No, I was, the same thing, I was looking at those original posters, and they're terrible. I mean, even for the time, they just, I don't know. It's like they were just thrown together by some i don't know yeah somebody who doesn't know what they're doing <laughs> they look like the the modern marvel trailer posters like the, the the crappy ones the right but yeah but anyways so yeah i tried to find trivia on this movie there's not a lot of trivia out there that i could find um when i was looking for it did you find anything interesting um, like a lot of a, trivia? not really i just found a few tidbits here and there yeah actually and it was even kind of stuff that i was probably would have brought up on my own that i was curious about so yeah nothing that really was like oh my gosh right so so interesting this is a cult classic there are um there is a following for this movie but i think it's kind of like christine where it's got a smaller following instead of like a, a big cult classic so, yeah i could see that yeah well and it's based it's based off of no, no, a novella, novella a short story that he did called cycle of the werewolf Yeah. Which i'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more yeah, let's, uh, let's get into that. So what's the synopsis? All right, well, let's break this movie down. So Jane Coslaw serves as the narrator of the film, as well as the older sister of the main protagonist of the movie, her paraplegic brother Marty. Their rocky relationship changes after a series of murders in their small rural town of Tarker's Mills, Maine, starting in the spring of 1976. Railroad worker Arnie is decapitated by an unseen attacker, Pregnant Stella prepares to kill herself, but is brutally murdered in her own bedroom. An abusive father is killed in his greenhouse, and Marty's best friend, Brady, is also killed. After Brady's death, citizens form a vigilante justice group. Although local sheriff Joe Holler attempts to stop the citizens, he relents after being berated by Brady's father. Reverend Lowe fails to dissuade the townsfolk from causing further bloodshed. While the vigilantes hunt for the killer in the nearby woods, three are attacked and killed. The survivors later deny seeing anything unusual. Afterwards, Reverend Lowe dreams that he is presiding over a mass funeral when his congregation, including the bodies in the caskets, begin to transform into werewolves before his eyes and attack him. He awakens screaming and asking God to let it end. As a result of the mounting unsolved murders, curfews are put in place, canceling the town's 4th of July celebration. The Kozlaws decide to have their own backyard party and invite Nan's alcoholic brother, Red. Red gives the gift of a custom-built wheelchair motorcycle to Marty, which he nicknames the Silver Bullet, as well as a pile of fireworks so he can have his own celebration. Marty uses the Silver Bullet to go out in the middle of the night to a bridge where he lights the fireworks. The fireworks get the werewolf's attention and it confronts him, but he escapes after launching a rocket into the creature's eyes. Marty enlists Jane's help to look for someone with a newly injured or missing eye. She discovers that Reverend Lowe is missing his left eye. Realizing that no adult would ever believe his story, Marty begins sending anonymous notes to Reverend Lowe, telling him that he knows who he is, what he is, and that he should commit suicide in order to stop the killings. Lowe tries to run Marty off the road with his car. When Marty is trapped under a closed, covered bridge, Lowe, whose sanity has been fractured by his condition, tries to rationalize the murders he has committed as doing God's work. Lowe apologizes and moves in for the kill until Marty calls for help from a passerby. The siblings manage to convince Red that Lowe is connected to the murders and attempted to kill Marty. Red persuades Sheriff Holler to investigate. That night, Holler, still skeptical but desperate to find the killer, goes to Lowe's house and finds Lowe has locked himself in his garage to restrain himself from further killings. Before Holler can arrest him, Lo transforms and bludgeons Holler to death. Knowing the werewolf is coming for them next, Marty and Jane convince Red to take Jane's silver cross and Marty's silver medallion to the gunsmith, who melts them down into a silver bullet. On the night of the full moon, they wait for the werewolf, who cuts the power to the house and smashes its way inside, attacking Red. The bullet is nearly lost in the melee, but Marty is able to retrieve it and shoots the werewolf in the right eye. The corpse turns back into low before dying. As the trio recover, Marty and Jane say they love each other and embrace, and Jane narrates that although she hadn't always been able to say it, she was able to say it from then on. And that is the movie in sort of a nutshell. And that's all we have for you guys today, so And that and that comes to you from Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Bring me that wick. Uh. <laughs> Give me a piece of that. <laughs> wiki of art okay um (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna pretend that didn't happen (laughs) (laughs) okay um so this one the that the synopsis makes more sense than the movie itself to tell you the truth yeah Uh, because but right off the bat like this movie i don't think knows what it wants to be so like i totally agree because like there's there's like the there's a couple scenes right at the very beginning where it's like funny cheesy and i'm like like, the, the kid runs over the bug, and he's like, hey. And I was like, that's funny. And I started laughing at that. And I was like, okay, cool. We're going to have, like, a cheesy movie. And then the werewolf sequences are, like, they're very violent and not funny. Right. It's like they're very well done. And the dialogue's all over the place. And I felt like <laughs> the movie didn't even get started. Like, I was not interested in the movie. Until like way over halfway through the movie, when they find out they're they're looking to see who is, who's missing the eye, right? And that's when I felt like the movie actually got my attention. So, what about you? Uh, I totally agree. Um, I ex- exactly in my notes, I'm all this movie floats between like a cute family movie and a rated R film. Um, I totally think this movie could have been PG-13, and I would have loved to see it edited into a pg-13 movie because i feel like if they could have just made some of the violence maybe a little off camera or mm-hmm. just a little bit less of it the rest of the movie is like to me it's like the quintessential 80s you know kid movie i mean yeah like the goonies or um yeah the goonies i can't think of another one but <laughs> <laughs> just something where it's like kind of an adventure movie with kids and just that ultimate kind of feel good nostalgic feel and um, you know, being a kid and being adventurous, which I feel like Stephen King does that really well with his yeah. you know, child child characters. But, yeah, it felt like two different movies that they tried to force together, and I, I think it easily could have been, like, a really good PG-13 movie. I don't think it was a great rated R movie because, like you said, the, the werewolf violence is, is definitely, you know, violent, but everything else is, is not. And then even, like, the language in it, you know, to mm-hmm. get that R rating is feels kind of forced and out of place yeah and it's weird it's like the i just uh so this movie has a has some drama behind it actually uh, all right oh the, real quick was yes. this the first time you've seen this movie because usually we talk about oh we're, yes where, where we were where we, we? i'm sorry yes this was the first time i've seen this movie i had seen like five minutes of it on tv way back in the day and it was freaking scary and then yeah, so then I I was excited to review this movie because I was like, this is a Stephen King movie I have not seen that I is kind of a you know cult classic. It's just it's out there, right. you know. Uh, what about you? I watched this for, or actually I didn't even get to see the whole thing straight through, but I watched a lot of it um, back uh, with my my old buddies back in Sacramento, the International Sacramento Film Club. Nice. And uh, yeah, it was it was probably during Halloween when we were just binging through. You know, one of the Halloween years where we're just, every Sunday, we're just smashing through as many, you know, horror movies as possible. Oh, Um, gotcha. So, I definitely saw this one later, later in life. Would it, for sure, terrified me as a kid. Oh, yeah. And then, did you read the, did you read that short story, The Cycles of the Werewolf? Yes, I reread it last night uh, to just refresh myself. That is such a good story. It is. I also read it yesterday. It was, I've read probably eighty five percent of all of his material Mm -hmm. and this is one that i've started to read i don't know how many times over the years and just never got around to it so this was a cool kick in the butt to just like hurry up and freaking read the story right and yes i think a lot of his short stories well especially his novellas which are that it's a you know a little long for a short story but it's definitely smaller than a novel but um he's amazing at those like i feel like his endings even are better Mm. in uh, his novellas um, considering he writes such lengthy books he does a mean job at short stories too yeah i'm really interested to read more of his novellas because i had read this story a long time ago so when watching the movie i knew who the villain was but uh this rereading the story i was like man this is really really good like i, I need yeah to, i'd like a hard copy of that actually it's just it's a great read they did a pretty interesting job uh, very unique job of translating it to the screen because like right. the whole rocket car or his go-kart rocket cart thing was, right like totally made up for the movie his relationship with, or well and i take it back his uncle helped him with that but he had two bullets in the in the book and in the movie right. he only has one well the the uncle also just in the book he really only shows up at that Thanksgiving, or sorry, the Fourth of July party, where he uh-huh. gives him the fireworks, and then he shows up at the end of the movie, or the sorry, man, shows up at the end of the story to kill the werewolf, and we you know does the whole bullet thing. Right. Um, but Gary Busey, as the uncle, is a you know pretty significant you know part of the movie. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting too. Like Gary Busey, most of the time plays the villain in movies. He's like the psychotic, crazy dude, and in right. this one, he's the uh, he's the alcoholic, crazy good guy. <laughs> and, right. Lovable, so, lovable uncle. You know, the guy yeah. that'll... That cool uncle that is a bad influence on you, but you love him anyways. I, yeah. <laughs> or especially. <laughs> yeah, I actually liked him in this movie. I thought he was actually uh, entertaining and endearing. Yes, he was, was endearing. Th- Though, I did think his one-liners were god-awful. And uh, that is part of the trivia that I found. And almost all the one-liners in the movie were him ad-libbing. <laughs> oh man yeah and uh well he and the so he did the take he would do all of his takes with the the script the way stephen king wrote it and then stephen king gave permission for him to ad-lib also and then stephen king ended up loving all of his ad-libs so they left him all in Uh, i will say this i think stephen king was on cocaine when he wrote this story because entirely possible (laughs) um right after this i believe was when he he did his own screenplay and directed maximum overdrive Yes. And he's pretty much admitted that he's on he was on drugs like that entire time that he did that the movie. Entire time. Right. So I'm pretty sure because this movie is like all over the place. The writing's terrible. It's bad. Um yeah. I just I the thing is, some of the actors bring it. Like uh Kent Broadhurst, the dad of Brady, when he reacts to his son's Oh uh, body, yeah, that was powerful. I man. was like, dang. And then my wife turned to me and she was like, Yeah, that seems about accurate that if you see your kid just shredded in front of you yeah so that and that was what threw me off with this movie was there's like some really cheesy super cheesy parts in this movie and then the violence is like off the wall like wow that's <laughs> that's really violent like right. especially when the pregnant woman gets like like slowly or gets ripped by uh, like right. both uh of course I, at the time that my mindset was like this is gonna be funny you know and then like that happens and i'm like oh i've got a little a little uncomfortable you all right there my wife is pregnant (laughs) right now so i'm just like you okay okay?" (laughs) a little extra protective there for sure and so and she was like oh that was brutal and so then like yeah and then especially like the the dad of the the drunk dad or whatever gets pulled through the floor and kind of gets like stabbed by the broken wood thing and then like the special effects are well done on this but i will say okay so i've got some information about the werewolf. I think the werewolf design in this movie is god awful, though. Oh, like, it's bad for it's, sure. It is not fun. Like we have, se- there's so many werewolf movies, and there's so many ones where you're like, "Oh yeah, that looks cool." I understand. Like right. it's a harder look to pull off than vampires. That's easy. Uh, but hey, real quick, did this make you want to watch Wolf Cop? when we were done watching dude yes (laughs) it did because that's that is a terrible movie that is trying to be a terrible movie and it is awesome (laughs) it is so good that is one of my wife's favorite movies like it is so good like so i told i literally told her when i was like man i can't wait for us to review that movie but it's too new so we might break our own rule but we might have to that might need to be a bonus a bonus review one of those ones we randomly throw out oh that's a good idea yeah, yeah, but now that I, because after seeing this movie, I was like, okay, Wolf Cop had to have been heavily based off of this movie, at least right. the 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 feel of it. Yeah, I agree, because I I definitely was just like, oh my gosh, and they have a second one now, so I haven't seen the second oh, one. Oh no. Yet. Um, so the the drama that I wanted to talk about in this movie is, uh, that is basically with the producer Dino D. Laurent Laurentis, I think that's how you say his name. But Dino, I guess Dino, Dino, excuse me, Dino. Uh, that makes a lot more sense, you know? Yeah. Um, Dino. Um. <laughs> I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe that's his name. Maybe he's this big, crazy, fat Italian. I don't know. Call me Dino. Right? Call me Dino. Got, Dino. The, got well, the gold chains and the tracksuit. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. We'll call him Dino for right now. But the direct, the original director was actually Don uh, Coscarelli of Phantasm, and he basically I saw that, yeah. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about, where they hadn't design, yeah. they haven't designed the werewolf suit yet. So he filmed everything that wasn't the werewolf fights, and then was waiting for them to finish designing the werewolf outfit. And he got so upset because they was taking forever that he quit the picture. Right. Well, I thought he also didn't like the final the look of the werewolf. Wasn't that part of it too? Uh well it says I, I knew there were several people that were that did not like the way it looked. Well he was actually that was the producer. The producer hated the way that the werewolf looked which, oh, Okay. Uh, Stephen King liked it when that Stephen King was actually specifically asked that it would be more of a plain type of werewolf instead of more of a crazy hybrid looking werewolf. So it's supposed to look right. more like a almost a bear wolf. And which I've seen those bef- that too, but like, The Howling has some pretty, the, I think, some pretty incredible werewolf effects, and the werewolves oh, are cool yeah. in that. And then, of course, Underworld, the werewolves are all, like, jacked in that movie. Right. Uh, but this one was just kind of, it looked kind of like, when you finally see the werewolf, it looked like a guy in a suit. And, yeah, uh, yeah. so I didn't think it was that good, but yeah, they stuck with that, and then they brought in the other director, uh, with Daniel Adias, I believe that's his name, and this is the only movie that he's directed. He's directed some TV stuff, but um i don't think because this movie was blown out of the water i don't i think it was like half of the movie was him though i don't or maybe less than half the movie so that's probably why there's so many different It feels like two movies yeah yeah well that's what i think too because before you said that dan um corelli how do you say his last name uh the guy for phantasm well i was wondering too if it because all the stuff he filmed was basically the non-violent stuff so i wonder if that's why it felt like it was going to be a a kid's adventure kind of movie yeah and then you know the other dude brought in all the the crazy stuff but yeah it was it feels like two different movies for sure right because it basically the movie kind of got put on pause and he left the project because it was taking forever and then they the producer that was fighting it finally was like okay they, they told him they're like okay we're we gonna drop the project or are we going to finish making it in release it right so then he was like he had to go he had to go off and and do phantasm 46 so exactly so there you go well not the producer that that director left and did yeah phantasm 46 (laughs) but um (laughs) uh, but yeah so anyways i think that's that that makes sense though why there's a lot of tonal shifts also though the narrative of this this is one movie that i feel like we like the move they filmed the movie they they screened it it was too long so they're like hey cut out a half hour of footage and you're like okay they cut out a half hour footage because then there's so many different plot holes in this movie that doesn't make sense oh yeah and i understand the story the that is based off of they don't explain like how he became a werewolf i get that but they i feel like they could have really they could have explained that or if they didn't that's fine if it wants to be ambiguous but i think it would have been cool though to see like what is what does the pastor actually feel about this like they we only get we don't really get his idea on this because he has a he has a reason to kill the the pregnant woman, but then also too though uh, my wife and I were like, werewolf actually go- is it like a house invader werewolf. Like he specifically goes to where they live. Right. So when they all yeah, like... there seems there seems to be um, some intelligence involved there when he when he changes. Right. Which isn't. I mean, you look at Underworld, and those werewolves have a little bit more thought process or right do you
1: want to
0: call it then, uh, so it's not like it's not you know it's not like it, it's impossible for a, a werewolf to be that way but they definitely didn't set up the ground rules as to why or no the ground how, rules are, it's it's rushed it or is just thrown in there i don't even know if rushed is fair it's just there <laughs> and like the whole thing about him changing on the full moon doesn't really happen in this movie like it's this movie takes place over like three or four months and right uh, the book is awesome because it takes place over 12 months so you get 12 different attacks Right. And the book Well, I think they kind of tried to do a weak explanation. I know the kids were talking at one point and they're <laughs> like, "Well, maybe it's, you know, maybe he's only gets stronger as the full moon happens." And he attacks gets, are just something he, like that. It he was, gets more wolfy the closer he closer he gets to the full that, moon. That might have been that exact line. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was. That was the yeah, cocaine's a heck of a drug. <laughs> it so, is. Um yeah, I just thought that that's when I was like okay because my wife loves werewolf movies and so we're watching the movie and we're just like okay so this werewolf isn't doing this it's not doing this like it seems like it's intelligent it's not eating the people when it attacks them it just attacks them and then leaves and it's very different from the, which is weird that that's what confuses me stephen king wrote the, the novella which has classic werewolf tropes in it the werewolf You know, yeah, wigs out, he eats his victims. The pastor doesn't know what's going on until like July or something like that. He doesn't even realize that he's a werewolf, he keeps blacking out, and uh, and then so that makes more sense. And then in the movie, they're just like, nah, we're gonna do something different. (laughs) And so, yeah, I was disappointed with that. That's why I felt like this movie has a great idea. I love the idea of the werewolf getting shot in the eye, and then they're like trying to figure out who the villain is, right. And I liked the extra scene where the pastor tries to run the kid off the road. I thought that was a really cool, intense scene. Because he's totally losing it. Um, They do kind of show him. He's got that thick 5 o'clock shadow when normally he's all clean shaven. So you definitely see he's starting to unravel and maybe change a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like the movie was more about the kid and, and, I don't know, a little bit about the werewolf. Because I, I was going to say, I really thought Corey Haim did a good job um, being the kid. I thought it, yeah, for a kid did. actor in, in the time period, I thought it was good. Same thing with, um, what's her name, Follows, you know, Ann, and Shirley.
1: <laughs> Megan, she,
0: me, Megan Follows, me, yeah. Megan, it's actually Megan I read. Excuse me, A Megan My Follows. Life. Yeah. Man, you were on it today, I love it. <laughs> I, I read. About. I read up a little bit, man. There we go. So I uh, was um, getting professional. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it just. Anyways, it, uh, <laughs> they were the two kids. I think were were the, probably the two of the best actors and you know, our most consistent performances throughout the whole movie. And it just, I think I just really enjoyed watching them just do their thing and their brother and sister are dynamic. And she thinks he's, you know, he gets everything he wants because he's crippled, and he's actually a very Kind of humble little kid, and he's he's just you know he tries to do the right thing, and yeah, um, and she's she's a teenager and dealing with changing you know into a being an adult and having to navigate all that. So I just I felt like there was this really strong kid dynamic going on. Yeah, I can um, see that. But and then yeah, and then there was this werewolf stuff that they kept trying to throw in, and Gary Busey, which he is endearing, but he was goofy. And then the thing I. <laughs> A little bit of a side note. Not even a side note. Just the scene where, actually, the first scene you see him. He's playing cards with, um, what's the kid's name? Mark. Uh, uh, let me look. It's not. Marty. It's not Mark. Marty. Thank you. Anyways, he's uh, he's playing cards with Marty, and he's full-on drinking wild turkey out of the bottle. Oh, yeah. Like with just like with the kid, gulping you know, it down. The mom's in the, in the kitchen cleaning up, and he is just chugging out of that bottle. And I'm just like, uh, I feel like that's kind of what you do when you're an alcoholic and you drink at home <laughs> by right. yourself. Or maybe you're partying with adults or something. But it just seemed a <laughs> bit much for, like, chilling with your nephew. And I'm just going to slug it right out of the bottle right no i i agree i feel like they should have had him just drinking beer that would have been sure but i mean i wanted to paint him as a failing alcoholic who'd been uh, divorced three times right but i agree aubrey uh, looked over at me she's like i wouldn't let our kid around that person (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was it was a bit much he's all like yeah that and his one-liners yo man yeah it's just a gag ain't it like anyways yeah, he's got some funny stuff in there, uh, but I feel this movie though, it, it could have been. Ah, I'm just, I'm so torn about this movie. I see the possibilities <laughs> in this one. I'm like, either right. it could gone full on cheesy, like atrociously bad, or it could have gone on like taking itself a lot more serious for the serious parts, and it just kept right. going back and forth. But it didn't. It didn't work because like Evil Dead, for example, it does a great job of like actually being scary, but then like really funny at the same time. But that movie, though, is totally knows that it's a gross out movie. And this movie was like, like you said, it was it when the werewolf scenes aren't happening, it's very tame. But but then some of the werewolf scenes, okay, for example, too, the one scene that threw me out of the movie was like when they're in the forest and they're the werewolf just like comes out of the fog in the ground and like grabs them and pulls them down underneath that was pretty and, bad. Yeah. And then the worst part was when the bartender's running away and <laughs> gets pulled under and he's like hitting <laughs> them with the, 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 werewolf with the bat. And then yeah. all of a sudden the the werewolf's arm comes up with the bat and starts hitting him with the bat. And yeah. my wife and I just like, went, both were like, what? And started laughing. And I was like, okay, this, this movie is crazy. Like, yeah. what? like that movie? Like, there's no way that they'd film that. And was, and they were like, this is serious. Like, this is serious. I know. Scary. There's I know. no way. I just, as soon as he pulled his, I was like, oh, we're watching a parody film of a werewolf movie. So right. maybe that's what they were trying to do. Maybe they were trying to totally do like a parody movie of the werewolf movies, but it'd be scary at the same time. If they were, then they forgot to do that half the time too. Because there's other scenes where it's pretty classic werewolf fare, you know, when it you know, yeah. goes after people. But there's just, yeah, I feel like half the scenes are just kind of goofy. And this and same thing, If they, if he's a savage beast that's just trying to kill you know how does he get why is he using a bat like he's a monkey or something or a human i mean he's should be more wolf but it was very human to to do the bat right that being said that bat was pretty cool i liked how they carved peacemaker into it that was pretty sweet (laughs) yeah as soon as that showed up i was like oh that's cool like i like that right I i thought that was pretty awesome oh something else to pick on with this movie is um uh, one of the, I guess, trivia things I noticed was there apparently there are continuity errors. Not even continuity errors. They're just, uh, this movie's supposed to take place in '76, I think it was. Oh, yeah. And there are cars from the 80s that are in there. There are, um, the newspa- newspapers that some of the townspeople are reading are from the 80s. They're just, right. <laughs> dates are wrong. Um, I don't know. Marty's why wearing didn't... a calculator watch, and those didn't even come out until the following year, and just all kind, of just terrible like set dressing in that regard, as far as keeping a period accurate. Right. I feel like Which, it, they were they were later. They're like, oh, this is supposed to take place in seventy six. Let's just slap that on the front of the movie. Right. Because it feels like they tried to make an eighties movie, and then we're like, oh, crap. Right. So that doesn't make sense to me. That's just kind of like what? Okay, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess they're trying to get away from the '80s movie thing. I don't know. Like, I, I don't think it mattered though with the story. That's why I'm like, why does this have to be in 1976? There's, there's nothing in this right. movie that makes me think like, oh, this movie can't take place in the '80s because they would have been right. able to do this I mean, or the, that. The only thing that made it happen or that needed it to be in the past from the time it was shown, so in '85 or '86 when it released. I forget what you said, but mm-hmm. it has that terrible voiceover of basically the sister when she's older like that really bothered me i was just like what is this that felt like another thing they decided to slap on last minute oh let's do a voiceover and that didn't make sense it was completely unnecessary and that was the only thing that would be like oh yeah had to take place 10 years ago because she's thinking back and telling you the story and i loved how somebody pointed out online they were like she sounds like she's in her 40s, but if you look at the time <laughs> difference, she should be, like, 20 yeah. when she's saying this or something. Yeah, she's, like, 10 years older than, you know, herself right. in the movie. But, and she's talking, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, that's so bad. Like, right. yeah, this movie has so many problems with it, though. Like, it's it's just, uh I'm so annoyed at it. Because I was just, like, ex- I was really excited to watch this movie. Yeah. And, yeah, and so then, like, there was just character design i thought was was interesting there was certain plot points that didn't really go anywhere like the whole like like the the pregnant woman wanting to kill herself and then the the pastor is like i'm gonna save her soul by killing her and yeah like, that, that was that just that was just sense. funny to me because it was so goofy the whole catholic werewolf with a warped moral conscience, gonna save but- you from the worst sins yeah <laughs> But then i wish that if he had thought that that he would have had like a he would have continued that and then you would be like this dude's freaking crazy but right. you're just like it's a homicidal baptist guy which well actually i guess is he supposed to be catholic in this in the, um, in the in the book he's baptist right and the only reason that marty isn't able to figure out who he is is because his family's catholic so they don't really run in the same circles until until they go trick or, treating. or something right which was right. cool, uh, yeah. It, it, so that's yeah. It's really odd that I mean, again, maybe we just gotta blame it on the drugs, because Stephen I, King's <laughs> short story was so well thought out and and laid out, and then this yeah. is pretty all over the map. Um, hey, yeah, that being said, we gotta we gotta address the cool factor of that dirt bike wheelchair. Um. Go yeah go ahead and address it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, apparently you weren't as excited as I was, but I was like, dude, I would have <laughs> if I was 10 or 11 years old, I would have been tearing all over the place in that. But that, I feel like that contraption was also uh-huh. another like focal point of the movie. And it really didn't need to be, but it was, um, yeah. It was like a huge part of the movie, which made it as far as like the kid element of the movie, and if it was if it was going to be a kid, you know, adventure kind of movie, it's awesome. It totally works, and it just makes you. It just pulls you more in that direction. Right. Um. As soon as I saw him driving in it, I was like, "Oh, it's a three wheeler. He's gonna tip it." <laughs> <It's dead. laughs> That's what I thought. Dude, Corey Haye must have practiced driving that thing like yeah. a ton. Because, yeah. I mean, it looks like I mean, not the spots where he's just hauling down the road. That's probably a stunt woman or something, but. Um, definitely yeah. all the close-ups when he's whipping it around I mean he had to have been uh, had to have some practice with it that one and the, the the first model he had that little go-kart looking one yeah I agree no I that was one thing I was surprised is that they it was a couple of close-ups and I was like oh dude that's really him driving it that's cool yeah um, one thing I thought was cool too that uh, Gary uh, Busey also did his own stunts too which I thought was kind of I thought that was cool like when he's getting thrown around in the end of the movie and he's crashing right. into all the furniture yeah, he he totally just just like <laughs> ran and jumped off a, a trampoline into yep. the wall like multiple <laughs> times. And yeah, he actually hurt himself. I guess he got he got stabbed in the arm with some of the the, the fake glass. Right. But, um, but that was so funny because like that was some cool scenes. But I, I love how he's just like, screw yeah. it. <laughs> he was I mean, he's he's very all in like as a character and everything. I mean, say what you will about that guy. He's. He definitely commits to the character. Yes. No, I definitely agree. Uh, Oh, and one more thing for me um, that I thought was really cool was I actually really enjoyed the scene where the werewolves are all changing in the church. I thought. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. That was probably my favorite werewolf scene of the whole movie. Right. I then it made me think. Wouldn't that be cool if we see a movie from one guy's point of view? where he thinks that he's like living in a town full of werewolves and he's trying to escape and then it turns out he's paranoid because he's actually the werewolf and right anytime he trying to he's trying to save himself from them is like when he's having like a full-on werewolf attack breakdown so but in his mind he's like trying to escape from werewolves so that's that gave me that idea i was like that would be a really cool uh concept to follow on right well we're gonna have to flesh that out you heard that here watchers so when that movie breaks you'll know you know where that idea came from? Exactly. There you go. Came from. Came from us. Let's see some money. <laughs> so, you got anything else before we go to the final uh, final verdicts on this? Um. No. I mean, this nothing like a werewolf to bring siblings together. If I've if I've said, if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. You know me. <laughs> you're always bringing it up at parties. <laughs> you're like, you know what I Family gatherings. Say? <laughs> you know what we really need here is a good werewolf need a good werewolf there we go uh, let's see uh, so Josh uh, do you think the movie hit it's mark when it was released uh, for 1985 I I don't know man I mean looking at the numbers it generated I mean it definitely made it's money back and then and then some but I think it's ugh, C plus yeah I give it a I give it a C cause I made it didn't lose money but it only it only made five million, so it didn't even make twice uh, twice of the amount. I mean, that's don't get me wrong, that's still a success. Sure, it was still like we were looking at uh, John Carpenter's movies that were coming out at the same time, and they made more money and the, with the smaller budgets like that too. So, right, it, yeah, I just think it was okay. Uh, do you think this movie is still relevant today? I would say no, but at the same time, it's very much a cult classic. Um, there's definitely a lot of love for this film now for being the kind of crappy movie it is. Um, so I yeah. don't know. That's a tough. That's a tough answer. No, it's not really relevant, but as a, it's a solid cult classic though. Yeah, no, it definitely. Uh, there's a lot of people that like this movie. It's got a really nice release on Blu-ray, which is pretty cool. So yeah, the um the that. cover for that is dope. That is a really cool looking um movie cover or poster. I. I really like how they have so many um, – they're bringing back – they're doing all these cool artwork for these 80s movies. I think that's so yeah, cool. Yeah, I agree. It's oh, like, I didn't give it a letter grade. I say relevance today, I give it a D. Give it a D. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd give it a D as well because I, I think that it, it's a cult classic, but it's a lot smaller of a cult classic. Sure. So, yeah, i, I give it a D as well. Uh, let's see. Personal enjoyment. Um. I give it a I give it a C plus. It was almost a B for me because I I really like I said I really liked the the kids interaction together. I thought that part of it was really fun. I feel like Stephen King does um, his the, the the child characters in his stories really well, and I thought that translated pretty well onto the screen, regardless of the story. I will say the actors did the child actors did a very good job in this movie yeah for sure i yeah i i give this movie a personal enjoyment i give it a d because i just uh i feel like this movie really just couldn't decide what it wanted to be and i'm so frustrated because i was just like it just needs to go one way or the other like it needs to pick what it wants to be and i I think part of that though is just because of the the drama behind the movie so yeah no i agree so i'm taking it is this the midnight watch uh not for me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <to> say no. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, not not really for me either yeah so yeah but i gotta say in a if we were gonna do a like a, a werewolf movie marathon for sure you gotta throw this one in there i think it's definitely worth watching if you're into old werewolf movies well personally. as we keep yeah i was gonna say as long as we, as as we keep rating werewolf movies maybe we can get together a list of like top 10 werewolf sure. movies so yeah, this is I mean it's definitely not a good werewolf movie, but it's it's definitely got enough fun parts in it for me that mm-hmm. um, I mean like I said, I gave it a C. So it's there's there's enough in there for me, knowing that it's not like a, a masterpiece by any sense of the word. And it makes me want to watch a really truly terrible werewolf movie. <laughs> well Well <that's laughs> Which knows it's a, which about. Right. <laughs> it knows it's a bad movie, so you go into it ready to laugh and have fun. Right, that's why I enjoyed Wolf Cop so much is cuz yeah, it was just like yeah, this is a B movie. You guys want a B movie? Here's a B movie. And here's a like, B movie for sure. There, there we go. And so yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But all right, let's get ready for uh, next week's quote for for uh, the quote for next week's movie. The quote for next week's movie. Yes, okay. Let's do it. Come on. We'll take you on right here right now. Come on. We play on a real diamond porter. You ain't good enough to lick the dirt off our cleats. Watch it, jerk. Shut up, idiot. Moron. Scab eater. Butt sniffer. Puss licker. Fart smeller. <laughs> you you eat dog crap for breakfast cake. <laughs> you mix your Wheaties with your mama's toe jam. You, you bob rabbles in the toilet and you like it. You play ball like a girl. What did you just say? You heard me. Tomorrow, noon, at our field. Be there, buffalo butt breath. Count on it, pee drinking crap face. <laughs> I, these we are, only laughed once that was pretty good <laughs> that was pretty good i'm glad we went over it before we recorded it because i was like this is a, this is a lot of just like boom, boom 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 one-liners yeah yeah so that's coming out next week okay yeah so it we did switch our release days from friday to wednesdays so just remind uh just remember that we are going to be dropping a new episode every wednesday From now on, uh, that's about it for today's episode. If you want to check out this movie, special thanks to our sound producer, Jake Colvin. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you shared it with your friends or anyone you think would like it. Absolutely. Uh, I've personally rented this movie on iTunes for $3.99. Did you rent yours? Yeah, I rented it on Amazon Prime. Well, there you have it. Please hit that subscribe button. Give us a five-star rating, if you please, uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. We'd also appreciate uh, any kind of positive review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And uh, if you'd like to contact us, you can hit us up at the Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. You have an amazing week. And as always, keep up the watch.